If you exist and are breathing, your life matters and has purpose and meaning. Even if you don't feel like you have anything to show to the world or anything to show for your life at this point, do not believe the lie that your purpose comes from achievement or experience or any type of notoriety or fame. That is a lie. Your life has meaning right now. And I would encourage you to ask some serious questions about where you, where you are discovering that purpose to be. Author and Bible teacher Kelly Needham reveals how we've been fooled into chasing meaning and purpose in all the wrong places, identifies the source of our hunger for the extraordinary, and shows us the steps we can take today to build a purpose-filled reality without turning our lives upside down. Her book is called Purpose Fooled, Why Chasing Your Dreams, Finding Your Calling, and Reaching for Greatness Will Never Be Enough. Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy, and thanks for listening in as we talk with people who are making a difference. Welcome, Kelly Needham. I'm so excited to talk to you because of what your book is about. But I also want to say that you also have a podcast called The Clearly Podcast. And the name of Kelly's book is Purpose Fooled, Why Chasing Your Dreams, Finding Your Calling, and Reaching for Greatness Will Never Be Enough. Welcome, Kelly. Thanks so much, Lori. I'm so glad to be here with you. So tell me what brought you to write this book, Purpose Fooled. Oh, man, a personal wrestle with where meaning and you know purpose comes from. So I got married when I was very young, 20 in college, and my husband kind of out of left field, got a, offered a spot on a record label in Nashville. So he was going to be like a history teacher. And then all of a sudden it was like, no writing songs, touring, radio, all of that. And I'm here as the like side branch to that. I did all of like the business stuff behind the scenes. I felt kind of like a sidekick. It just put me in positions where what I was doing didn't feel like meaningful enough compared to what my husband was doing. And I really began to wrestle with what makes life meaningful. And is it just that I need to, I need to get the important tasks and verbs in my life and then I'll feel a sense of meaning. So uh, writing this book really has come from years of kind of thinking through these topics myself. When you said that, I think about how, especially in the music industry, it really is a lot of hype. And then you hear about these people that have reached their thing, but they're still not happy. Right. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, the subtitle of my book is why chasing your dreams, finding your calling and reaching for greatness will never be enough. Because I think at the end of the day, even if you get everything you ever wanted, it's still not going to be enough. Even if you get the dream job, you get to the pinnacle of achievement that you've always worked for over and over again, we see in people who do achieve their dreams that then you're left kind of going, now what? It doesn't really satisfy this deep ache we have for transcendent meaning. It can't, it really isn't enough. And so I think we have to ask a different set of questions. I love that. Thinking about when people get to their there or get to their retirement and then what, what would you say to that? I would say that, Life still has meaning and purpose, but if you've attached your meaning and purpose to what you do, then you're going to feel meaningless when you retire from that thing you loved, when you change gears, when uh, maybe your kids leave the house, or when you become a caregiver to a parent or a spouse or someone else in your life, all of a sudden you have a new set of tasks in front of you. And a lot of times those are more hidden things. They're not really Instagrammable, right? They don't have the uh, measurability of other types of tasks, but that doesn't mean they're less meaningful. And so we really have to detach, I think, our sense of purpose and meaning from what we do. And honestly, the even belief that meaning comes from what we do is a very modern and privileged position. If we have the options to pick and choose what we want to do with our life, then we are 
of a very privileged minority of people in the world. There's a lot of people around the world that don't even have the ability, whether they have a disability or they have a sickness, they have cancer, or they're in poverty or enslaved, or there are all sorts of people around the world that just, they don't have an option to go, what would I like to do with my life? How can my life be meaningful and chase that thing? And so I think that is another reason that it cannot be true that meaning comes from what we do. It actually will drain your life of meaning and make you a slave to work and tasks. And I love how you say you are not what you do, because that's what we see in people when they lose their job or they retire is suddenly they don't seem to know their identity. What about the young person who's just starting out with this big dream? Yeah, well, I think dreams are great. I think it is right for us to take risks and chase things. But again, it has to be detached from meaning. If my meaning is detached from that thing, I'm actually free to chase it and pursue it, taking greater risks, because if it fails, I'm okay. I'm not so dependent on it for my happiness and my joy and my stability that I can actually be more free to rightly maybe assess that thing I'm chasing. Is this the right time? Is it not? So I think it is good to dream big and set goals and pursue things. But I think we have to be really careful to make sure that our identity and our sense of worth isn't tied to it. We have to be grounded outside of those things to be able to pursue them in a way that is sustainable and actually helpful to the world around us. I see a lot of people that do that. They chase their dream. Now they're in their dream job and I'm using air quotes <laughs> and they're not happy, but they're now they're sort of trapped. Can you talk more about that? Because I love the idea of doing what you love, but not being attached to it. So how, how do we do that? Well, again, you've got to, you need meaning and purpose to live. I think it is a legit human need. Uh, there are books written about that. Man's Search for Meaning is a classic that uh, by Viktor Frankl, who would say meaning is essential to thriving, to life. If you're going to detach it from your doing, you have to attach it somewhere else. And that really is the question, right? Is where do we attach our meaning? I myself am a Christian. And so I would say my belief is you have to attach that to the person you were made for. I think that our purpose is a person and we are meant to find purpose in relationship with someone transcendent. And the person who invented solar systems and galaxies and designed snowflakes, it's like, there's a reason we long for big things. I think we're made in the image of that creator. So when I attach my meaning to something outside of my work, when I ground it, when I anchor it to something stable outside of the ups and downs of my work life or my tasks, uh, I'm now free to come into my job whether I like it or I don't do it with all the effort that I have to do it with excellence, even whether or not it produces what I want or not. I'm a mom. So this is a great example. I do a lot of different things, right? I write sometimes I've written books. I do host a pod, co-host a podcast, but right now this week, one of my youngest is sick. That just changes my week. I mean, any parent knows this, like, oh, I wanted my week to be full of writing and outlining things and using that part of my brain, but instead it's doctor's appointments and the exercise of patience with a fussy kid. And where do I get the medicine? And it's a different set of work and one that I don't necessarily like more. <laughs> I like it less, but it's what's in front of me to do. And when I'm not finding my meaning from what I do, I can, I can enter into an unexpected week with detours in it and go this week, I can still find joy. I can still do the work in front of me well, even if it's not my favorite, because that's not what makes me who I am. Whether I'm taking care of a sick kid or writing a book, uh, my sense of 
transcendent meaning is firmly attached elsewhere. And it really frees and empowers me to not be so swayed by the ups and downs of my circumstances in a given week and serve the people in front of me well, whether it's the future audience of a book or the children that I have in my care. It makes me think of caretakers as well, because Mm -hmm. we see so many people who are putting their lives on hold to take care of a parent or a spouse. And it's kind of like, this isn't what I signed up for. And what I feel like I'm hearing you saying is the difference between serving well and resentment Mm -hmm. is knowing who you are and who you serve. Yeah, I think you have to know who you are and what makes you valuable. You have to have an answer for that question. And likely you already do have an answer for that question. You might not know what it is. (laughs) You might might be um, something that has been absorbed from your upbringing or the culture around you, but every one of us is living out of that, uh, out of some belief of what makes us valuable. If the thing that makes us valuable is our contribution to society in a way that's very visible and noticeable and applauded, then when caregiving enters your life, a lot of times not by your choice, then you will feel resentful for it because the very thing you based your identity on is being stripped from you as you care for this person in your family, in your home. And you know, it's the right thing to do. You know, you want somebody to do it for you, but you still have this internal sense of frustration. And it's because you're, it's, it's exposing a belief that you have that your value comes from your work and you're being prohibited from doing that. And you're mad about it. And so I don't think those moments are even things to be bothered by. They're really moments and occasions for us to learn and be observant about ourselves and go, wow, a belief system's being exposed right now. What, what do I actually believe about myself, about my world, about what makes me valuable, what makes my contribution to the world valuable? And do I actually like that belief system that I bought into? And do I actually agree with it? Or have I even thought about it critically at all? I mean, have I ever questioned what I believe and why I believe it? I think it is an occasion to think through all those things. And I think that's a really good thing for all of us. You bring up so many good points. And that's why when I saw your book, well, I really wanted to talk to you because I'm a life coach and I work with people in recovery and I love to help people find their next. But also, I think we live in this world where everybody's trying to be famous. A lot of people, I feel like, need permission to not have to be extraordinary, but even to just be ordinary, that that's okay. What we're seeing right now and everybody wanting to be famous is we all want what is celebrated. That's human nature. The things that are celebrated is what we're all going to gravitate toward. So that's why if you ask kids, the most common answer right now, if you ask children, what do they want to be when they grow up? They want to be YouTube famous. That's their answer. I want to be a YouTuber. And that's because That's what's celebrated. That's what they're seeing us all gravitate. Oh, do you follow this person? Have you watched this video? Have you done this? So it's being celebrated. And what we applaud, what we make much of, what we talk highly of, um, we're all going to gravitate toward those things because they seem meaningful and purposeful. And I think that we have to remind ourselves that that, that's not the essence of value. One example of this, I try try to talk to my kids differently for this very reason, because I really believe the message of this book. We have a a crew of people who come and clean our house every couple of weeks, which for me as a mom of five is like essential to being able to keep my life together. And what a valuable service that is to my, my home and to the other homes in my neighborhood that I know that this company services and they do an excellent job. And I talk very highly of them to my kids. Hey, this is helping our household 
function. It's enabling me to do this. It's enabling you to do that. Like I used to talk about it so much that as my girls were growing up, uh, somebody asked one of them once, what do you want to be when you grow up? And my, one of my daughters said, I want to clean houses. (laughs) (laughs) And I almost was like, Oh, wow. Do I, do I really believe what I'm saying? But they, she had heard me talk so highly of what great contribution this is to our society. I do the same thing. We've had the same mail carrier for about a decade. I have a personal relationship with him now and he's faithful and consistent and will I live on a hill. So I have a bunch of stairs and he'll bring my packages to my door so they don't get stolen. I'm like, what a gift he is. I mean, we can't, none of us can function in our communities without people who just do the basics for, um, for us and where we live but we don't value those things. We don't applaud them and celebrate them. And so more and more people are just going where, what's being celebrated, I'm gonna go there. And so I think we all have to be careful to not uh, make much of the highly visible roles in our society and therefore diminish the things that actually hold us all together, which is all these other wonderfully beautiful roles in our communities. The whole idea of gratitude and that when when we look at what's being celebrated, are we being good models of celebrating? And I hate to say even the mundane, but are there dangers to chasing your dreams or reaching for greatness? In my generation, everyone wanted to be on Oprah. Now everyone wants to be a YouTuber, but it's like, do they even want that? And how do we really know what is a real dream? Here's what's interesting about that is if you talk to people who are on their deathbed, they really are facing the last hours of their life the last days of their life and they know it. Nobody says, I wish I was more famous. No one, even people who do have fame. Um, What we hear consistently people say is I wish I would have enjoyed those ordinary moments more. That conversation with my child, the time my kids were in my home, that relationship that I had that I let go of, that friendship, I missed the, the good in life that was ordinary. I think this is actually why shows like The Office are so wildly successful and so attractive to all our generations because it's a show about something very ordinary and very mundane, a paper company day-to-day in an office and the relationships happening around them. There's something in us that I think deep down knows the glory of life is really not in those big moments. Uh, they're awesome. They're fun. I just released a book. It was fun. But you know, that goes away. And I still have to do my laundry the next day. And I still have to interact with my kids and I still run across my neighbors. And uh, if we're not careful, uh, if we just label all that in our minds as unimportant compared to these other things that we can post about and see online, we're actually going to miss out on the things that are actually most enjoyable in life. Um, We're going to miss out on the glories that are hidden in the everyday life around us which is really where we find, like you said, the gratitude for those things is where joy begins to explode in our lives. I feel like you're not saying don't pursue greatness. You're saying that can't be the ultimate. It can't be your identity. And I remember when I met Amy Grant, she was 17. I was working at a radio station and I remember she got up on stage and she said, here I am on stage singing to all of you in Seattle. And she said, and when I go home, my mom makes me do the dishes. I love that because there's so much to the ordinary that we miss when we're always striving for extraordinary. That's right. That's something that Jesus is getting at in in the gospel. So if you read what Jesus taught, um, he's actually not anti-greatness. He's asked on multiple occasions from some of his followers 
uh, who are the greatest in the kingdom. So if we think the whole pursuing of excellence is a modern issue, it's obviously not because his followers 2000 years ago are looking around going, who's the best of all of your people following you? Who's who's greatest? But he doesn't rebuke them for the question. He does not look and say, that's a wrong question and doesn't honor God. You know, he's, he says, okay, I'll tell you. He gives them a direct answer, which I think is state speaking to that longing is a human longing that I think is good to desire the transcendent, the great. But his answer to them is in one occasion, he picks up a child and says, you have to be like a child uh, to be truly great. On another occasion, he says, you have to be willing to be servant to others that you'd be willing to do the mundane. I mean, servanthood, when you think about it, when you think of somebody who's a servant, it's just, I'll do the tasks no one else wants to do. There's a willingness to do ordinary and mundane for the sake of another person. And those are things that are truly great. And so I don't think we should not chase greatness. I think we should just be careful how we define it, because if we're not careful, we'll define it based on this huge mountain of achievement and we'll get to the top of it like many people do and find that it's actually empty and they've destroyed the things that are most beautiful in life to get there. But there is a better way to pursue a great, a truly great life that really does explode with meaning and purpose. And uh, I, I just think our definitions are a little off sometimes. And you had said that you're a Christian, so that's where you find it. I would say for me, yes, I haven't found anything else that has scratched the, that itch than the eternal, everlasting creator of all the glories that we see around us person. And I think it's crazy that there is a belief system that would say, not only it, not you should serve this God, this God wants to serve you so that you can just have friendship with him. Not so you can, every other religion of the world is how much can I do to please this God? And this is like, the opposite. I don't need you to please me. I just want you to enjoy me. So it's actually in relationship with the one that I was made for that I find that deep sense of transcendent meaning met. And then that begins to explode meaning into every day of my life, both the the cool ones. And the, it's not that those days aren't special, the graduation days or the launched a book into the world days or a podcast. Those are really special days and we should enjoy them. But also when I get to have a conversation with a friend over lunch and the weather's nice outside, it's like, that's a really wonderful moment that God has created for us to receive and enjoy as an extension of our joy in him. So I do, that would be where I would find that purpose. And I think that um, has been true to what I see the Bible teaching. And I think it explodes into life from there and has liberated me from both being a workaholic and from being lazy, right? It's it's done both things. It's enabled me to do the work in front of me every day, even when it varies greatly from caring from sick children to writing a book. It's like across the board, it's really given me stability and joy and a sense of purpose uh, that's free from my tasks. But what I see in most people around me, Christian and non-Christian alike, is we become workaholics and obsessed with achievement and notoriety. And none of us are happy. I mean, the stats are we're all anxious and depressed and fearful and, you know, it's it's not working. Something's broken. And so I think all of us should be asking questions about that. What do we believe we need and how are we going to get it? I love that you have a, a couple of times you've talked about asking ourselves questions. So mm -hmm. what would you say to the busy mom who's listening and she's like, yeah, you're right. But what, what, what do I do? What are my next steps? A great next step for anybody is to take out a piece of paper or a journal and a pen and really 
start to try and get your own thoughts about what you believe about life and meaning onto paper. Because most of us, the busyness is part of the problem. We're so frantic from one moment to the other. We don't even have any downspace to even know what we think and why we think it. Because the moment that we sit down and have a quiet moment, we're just on our phones we're, or we're on TV and we're just it's input all the time. And we need moments as human beings, I think, to let the dust settle of the activity, be quiet for a moment and ask ourselves, what makes my life meaningful? What do I really think makes my life meaningful? Could I answer that question? Could I write it down? It's a really good discipline, I think, for everybody to take what you think and force yourself to make it words on a page and stare at it for a second and go, do I even agree with that? Uh, what do my actions say about my life that make my life meaningful? Is it my work? Is it my, my relationships? Is it my experiences? Um, is it that I think life isn't meaningful at all? And I've kind of li lived into despair. Where am I actually at? And what's underneath that belief? What gave me that belief? Is that how I was raised? Is that why? Is that because of who I follow on social media and what they're saying life is meaningful? Is it because of a show that I watch or other books that I read? And do I agree with them? And what's their basis of that belief system? So I think, again, that takes you being uh, disciplined enough to say, I'm going to sit still for a moment. But I think getting pen and paper and working through that is a great place to start. And then have conversations with other people. Ask them those questions. Where do you find meaning in your life? And is it working for you? <laughs> pursue options that are out there that are saying, this is where life finds meaning. There's a whole lot of content out there right now. And I find that a lot of them are saying the same thing with just different clothes on <laughs> and have some of the same problems. So it's been interesting to research that personally on a lot of different levels and has clarified my own thinking. And so I, that's why I'd encourage somebody to start. And it sounds like in your journey through this, you have found the peace that you were looking for. Yes. Yeah, I started with uh, a lot of frustration in the task in front of me, right? As that, as a merch girl to my husband and road manager and all those things have come in and out of so many seasons in my life, getting to do the things that I loved. And then, you know, like I mentioned, I have five kids. So there were a few seasons of motherhood that it was like, yeah, he went back on tour and I was at home with multiple kids in diapers. And that's really hard. And it's unseen work and it's repetitive and it feels very mundane and very ordinary. That was where I started to test out these beliefs. Can life have meaning even here? Is it possible that my life can be full of purpose and meaning even in this moment? And what I found was when my meaning began to be attached to a person, not a set of tasks, it did begin to have meaning. And that was liberating because immediately now, oh, I don't need a change in my circumstances to find joy and purpose. It, you mean it can exist right here where I'm at right now? That has made every other new season, even the ones that are a little more fun than two in diapers, I've enjoyed them even more because I'm not clinging to them so tightly. Like I have to get all the joy out of this book launch season that I can. It's I don't feel that. It's like, this is really fun. And there are other scenes that are hard, but also full of meaning. And I can receive those as well. I don't want to be on my deathbed with regrets that I didn't enjoy those things that were in front of me to enjoy. So far, as I've been testing out my own belief system over these past several years, it has proved to be a stable place for purpose and joy and has uh, enabled me to do all sorts of kinds of tasks in front of me. The ones I like and the ones I don't like. It's okay <laughs> to have things you don't like to do but have been able to do that with uh, without a lot of resentment and bitterness, which I'm thankful for. We're talking with Kelly Needham. She's the author of Purposeful, Why Chasing Your Dreams, Finding Your Calling, and Reaching for Greatness 
will never be enough. Kelly, what is it you really, really want people to know? I really want people to know that their life matters and that their life has so much purpose, that if they are breathing right now, I believe that if you exist and are breathing, your life matters and has purpose and meaning. Even if you don't feel like you have anything to show to the world or anything to show for your life at this point, do not believe the lie that your purpose comes from achievement or experience or any type of notoriety or fame. That is a lie. Your life has meaning right now. And I would encourage you to ask some serious questions about where you, where you were discovering that purpose to be. How can we find you if we want to find A, your podcast, your book, or just you? Yeah. Well, a great place to go would be to uh, my husband and I's website. We actually share a website together called jimmyandkelly.com. And you'll find all sorts of things on there from our podcast links to books that I've written to places to follow us on social media or just other articles that we've written or fun things we do together. That's all kind of there at jimmyandkelly.com. So that'd be a great place to visit. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Lori, for having me. I'm Lori Hardy, and thanks for listening in today. I hope you've learned something new. So join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference.